very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Growing Dentist Podcast Show. This is Naren, your host. Today, I'm super excited to have Dr. Jason Campbell. Dr. Jason Campbell is a practicing dentist, and among many other things, he's also the founder of the Advanced Prosthetics Institute. Dr. Campbell, welcome. Naren, it's great to be here. And I just want to say hello to all your listeners out there. Really appreciate what you're doing and the efforts that you're making to kind of help us get the information we need to be successful. Thank you, Doctor. Um, I, I know a lot of people know you, but for those listeners who haven't heard of you or who don't know you just yet, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? Where do you come from? What are you up to these days? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. You know, I don't ever get you know I don't get that opportunity very often to kind of share my my background, <laughs> at least my personal background. So I appreciate you asking. You know, I've uh, been a, a practicing general dentist for about the last 15 years. I uh, grew up in Ogden, Utah. I got my dental education in Virginia at Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, great education. Felt like I uh, really prepared me to be out in private practice. Um, about 13 years ago, I moved to Prescott, Arizona. It's a smaller town in, in Arizona. Um, population size is about 48,000. In the Tri-City area, we're about 110,000. Um, but we've had a very, very successful general dental practice with a focus on surgical reconstruction. Um, so we do offer general services, but we also kind of cater to a more complex uh, patient base out here. Uh, married, been married for about 23 years, have five kids. Uh, one's 19. My daughter just got her driver's license at 16. Got a 12-year-old son who uh, loves to uh, raise birds and play the ukulele. He's a bit of an athlete. Got uh, my last two kids are twins. Um, so we've got four boys and one girl. Poor kid. But uh, anyways, we're uh, just doing well and, and living life. You know, I, I about six years ago, uh, I started an endeavor to educate doctors uh, more fully on something that I've become passionate about. And so I started what's called the Advanced Prosthetics Institute, which is a center for helping doctors to demystify complex care. Um, you know, a lot of people had asked me what I was doing, how I found my clinical success. Uh, but more importantly, I, I, I'm kind of concerned about our patient base. There's a category of patients that end up later in life with very extreme dental problems, where if we could just catch them early on and, and include those individuals more fully in our preventive practices, that we could have stopped them from needing the very advanced care that I tend to find offering people. And so... That's what the uh, Advanced Prosthetics Institute's kind of predicated upon is helping doctors to demystify more complex aspects of care and convert those complex things into preventive maintenance programs in your practice, leading to practice success. Let me ask you this. I know, um, as you probably know, um, one of the themes of our of our podcast is, you know, helping doctors have a bigger future when it comes to time, money, purpose, and relationship. It looks to me like um, you went on that journey searching for your purpose. Uh, 
searching for what gives you satisfaction and meaning. Um, right. So I would love to kind of understand a little bit about how you went on that journey and how you arrived at where you arrived at. And, uh, and let's have a chat around that. At least let's start there. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's interesting when you, when you talk about, talk about those topics, Naren, you know, time, money, purpose, it's very relative and it's specific to the individual, but I think that there's a base there that, that's common for all of us in the sense that we have to try to create that avenue. And so however you go about that, hopefully it becomes a passion in your life. You know, the people who know me <laughs> know that I work hard so that I can play harder. And I have to make sure in my personal life that I'm balancing those two properly. Um, I think I'm more of an individual who's inclined towards uh, playing harder than, than working extremely hard, but one doesn't happen without the other. And so, you know, we've, we've got to make, in, in my own personal life, I, I have to balance that in such a way that I'm focusing on what I'm doing as the resource to make sure that I can do the things outside of my professional life that, that I really love to do. And unfortunately, my interests tend to take me away from home a bit. I'm kind of a, an adrenaline junkie. I, I like to downhill mountain bike and do extreme off-roading and motocross and, and things like that. All, all horrible things to be involved in if you're a dentist. Uh, fortunately, I've been lucky. I've not ever had any injuries or anything like that. But uh, you know, I think one of these days I may grow up. And, and grow out of that need for, for adrenaline. But in my current state of life, you know, that, that's what I like to do. In my professional life, though, uh, you know, I've always had kind of a, a sense that if I'm going to do it, I might as well do it well. And so my, my practice approach tends to be a little bit on the extreme side as well. And so, you know, the focus of my practice is surgical prosthetics based out of a general dental uh, setting. And, you know, the struggle, and, and there may be a lot of dentists out there who are kind of looking to get into that. You know, maybe they have those interests, maybe not. Um, but the challenge that you face in a general practice setting, if you have the desire for that type of clientele is, is how do you attract them? How do you make it profitable? How do you increase the value of your chair time? How do you help patients to recognize um, who you are, what you do, and then create a value for that? And so spending the right kind of time in your practice, doing it in such a way that the principles of business are being satisfied while you're also fulfilling, you know, your clinical uh, experience so that it's also satisfying for you. And, and for me, Naren, the bottom line is um, the principles that we teach, the things that I've learned have been really fulfilling for me because at the end of the day, I get the opportunity to be a real hero, I think, in a lot of people's lives instead of being an occasional hero in a few people's lives. And so for me, that's really where my focus is. And, and what we do in the Prosthetics Institute stems from my love of what I do for people who need what we do. 
um, and recognizing we need more practitioners helping these individuals, and that's why I spend the time in educating other dentists. Right. Let me um, wear the hat of a patient. Um, and you and I are sitting on a plane next to each other. I don't know you. I don't know what you do. So my question to you is, who are you a hero to and why? Okay. That's a great question. Um, so in order to do that, I probably need to share what our practice philosophy is. And I guess a recommendation that I would have first and foremost, and maybe something to identify for listeners, if, if you're a dentist out there looking to uh, expand yourself or grow, the foundation has to be there first and foremost. And so I think identifying, you know, the areas of what you do that you really love become really important. And for me, uh, mine stems from a personal history. So to give a little bit of background, my my body is somewhat finicky. I am... I am the dental patient who has a, a pretty severe gene in my family line for missing teeth. Um, there's no ectodermal dysplasia history or anything like that, but for some reason, for my mom's side of the family, we have genetically missing teeth. To give you an example of that, I got 20 out of 32 permanent teeth. My daughter, who's 16, is getting 12 out of 32 permanent teeth, and one of my twins, who's nine, is getting 13 out of 32 permanent teeth. So on top of that, I also have a class three jaw relationship, suffered with jaw pain, chronic facial pain, headaches most of my life, um, went through a period of some health issues that I didn't recognize uh, or issues until later on in life. I actually didn't identify them as the cause of the problems, but um, have some, you know, my, my immune system is pretty finicky in what it allows me to, to eat and consume. Didn't realize it, but I have a casein protein allergy um, and didn't, you know, so certain foods really create a lot of inflammation and acidity in my body, so I have to really avoid them. Um, milk products, uh, most recently, I've, I've really had to cut breads and refined sugars almost completely out of my diet, grains. And so I've had to modify my diet in order to control inflammation, muscle pain, joint pain, things like that. Well, I went through a period of time where I also had just a lot of acid issues, um, indigestion problems, uh, acid reflux, heartburn. What I found is over the course of time as I started finding solutions to these, these problems, I noticed that there was a correlation between them and what I was experiencing, experiencing in the realm of dental care. So there's a link, Naren, that I, I want to kind of get out here on the table for all of our listening doctors, that there is this link of three things that occur that when they are occurring simultaneously, they end up in a very, very severe, destructive environment for the oral cavity. The first is uh, force dynamics and poor force distribution in jaw biomechanics. 
I know that's kind of a lot of fancy terms, but just kind of think in, think in the sense of your jaw muscles produce a lot of energy. That energy has to go somewhere. And the way your jaws, teeth, and muscles are interacting, it matters. And in people where that's not happening well, those force dynamics and jaw biomechanics beat teeth up quite severely. It's where the tendency to clench and grind teeth comes from. Forces can beat teeth and weaken them up over time. So the first element is just force distribution problems and jaw biomechanic issues. The second issue is oral and systemic acidity. As, as dentists, we should be able to identify that the only thing that causes tooth decay is acid. And we strive to fight, you know, the effects of acid. You know, we realize there's a bacteria that converts sugar to acid and that can promote tooth decay. We are aware that certain things in our diet, things that we eat and drink, can be acidic, things like coffee and tea. People who abuse those on a, on a regular basis and expose their teeth to, to uh, long periods of acid exposure, we know that that increases their risks for tooth decay. But as dentists, when it comes to acid, that's usually about where we draw the line. And what we're missing, you know, when you have that patient that comes into your office and every time they come in, they have tooth decay problems. And sometimes it's rampant. And they're mad at you because they think you're doing something wrong and they don't think that they've done anything wrong because they're brushing their teeth like 50 times a day and they're flossing 16 times a day and they're doing everything you tell them to do. But the question that's not being asked is, are there digestive acids that are playing a role in the mouth? And if there are, what do we do about it? And so systemic acid can be very, very problematic for the, for the mouth, but we're missing it in dentistry. We're missing it in medicine. We're not working together to help people resolve the effects of that acid, and we're just letting it destroy and melt people's teeth away. And that's... Uh, those are those patients that end up with very, very severe dental needs. So acid is the second contributing cause. The third contributing cause is inflammation, systemic and oral inflammation. We know that inflammation is the cause of gingivitis. We know it's the cause of periodontitis. And we know it's the cause of periimplantitis. So if we can control the effects of inflammation in the mouth, we can greatly enhance somebody's health. Well, the same is true for the rest of the body. What people don't know is when systemic inflammation is high, people are more prone to cardiovascular disease. Inflammation can affect the pancreas and increase people's risk for type 2 diabetes. Well, the advantage that we have as dentists is we get to see in the mouth if we can just start correlating oral inflammation and oral acidity with systemic inflammation and systemic acidity, we are the front runner in the medical community to start identifying that people have these problems. And along the way, we can really, really reduce their dental needs and their dental problems is what we're really, what people really are paying us for. You know, the, the downside in, in dentistry is most of our business models are geared up towards reactive care because reactive care is where we get paid. We wait for people. We, we get in the pattern of being the guy to just give people bad news. You need a, you've got a cavity. You need a filling. You've got a broken tooth. You need a crown. And what we really, really need to do is become better diagnosticians, identify problems earlier for people, 
and intervene with interventional dentistry, not just reactive or preventive dentistry, but interventional dentistry to get involved much earlier on to stop the wear and tear to teeth due to biomechanics, to stop the acid attack on teeth, and to stop the inflammatory reaction in, in gums and bone and around our implants. And if we could do that better, then, uh, then, then we're, we're really serving our patient base better. So here's, here's the thing, uh, Naren. We have to be able to identify the problem and we need to be able to label it. So what we've identified over time is that when we have these patients, there's really three categories of patients. Uh, Naren, are you there? Yes, I'm listening. Okay. The first category patient is just the truly biofunctional disordered patient, somebody with just jaw dynamic issues. We treat that patient in a certain way. The second patient is the patient who has high acid index, and we have to treat them in their own way. We have to address those acid issues. But the real complex patients, the one that nobody wants to see, are the patients who have biomechanical issues mixed with acidity and inflammatory issues, and when you look in their mouth, their mouth's a wreck. The acid is melting the teeth, Typically, these people are grinding their teeth. Um, they have a lot of abfracting. They have a lot of wear facets. Sometimes they've ground their teeth down so far that their, their vertical dimensions are closing. We no longer have space to build restorations. There's not even room to put partials and dentures in. Um, they become what we call the dentally compromised patient. They either have... Um, Terminal dentition, meaning they're going to lose everything and they're going into prosthetics. Or um, there's a term that I'm trying to think of. And it, uh, yeah, or they, or they end up with what we call dental demise, meaning their teeth are so severely damaged they can be reconstructed and keep their, their teeth in their roots, but they need a reconstruction in order to keep them. So our focus is then to try to try to help people avoid getting into that situation by intervening much earlier. And that patient, that complex patient, we call that a, a biofunctional disorder, where they have biology um, and they have a functional issue that's beating their teeth up over time. Does that definition make sense? I hope I'm not confusing you with all that, Naren. I know, I know there's a lot of meat in what I just said, and I want to make sure that I'm not confusing your listeners. No, absolutely. You, you are not. Um, okay. Can you kind of dumb it down for me? Um, give me some cases you worked on. Um, okay. Tell me some stories, because I think that will help our listeners you know, really appreciate what you're talking about in, in, real, in real terms. Yeah, for sure. So here's, here's what it really comes down to. Um, recognizing the effects of systemic acid and the role that it's playing in people becomes really, really important. And here's why. I'm gonna kind of describe to you the patient that we would typically see suffering with a, bio, a true biofunctional disorder, okay? These are the patients in your practice who have very severe dental wear problems, they have a lot of erosion in their teeth, they have abfraction, wear facets, 
enamel crazing, but they're also suffering with symptoms of TMD, jaw pain. Sometimes they have chronic facial pain. Uh, a lot of times they're suffering with, with chronic headaches or even migraine-type headaches. Uh, usually they have other symptoms like medical symptoms. They have chronic fatigue, achy joints, achy muscles. And you've done some dentistry on them, but it seems like every time you do dentistry for them, your, your dental work's either falling out or it's, it's uh, decaying prematurely not quite sure how to stop it. And so these patients that fall into this category, one, it becomes hard to find a care provider who can help them. Two, um, dental care providers, we tend to shy away from them because the complex nature of, of their treatment needs can become time consuming if, if you're not prepared and recognize what the problems are and have systems in place to help them. And so they become really like dental and medical refugees. They, they're out there. They've kind of given up on their mouths. They're not sure what to do about it. They've kind of resigned themselves that someday they're just going to need dentures. They're tired of spending their money on their dental work because they've lost faith in, in dentistry. So when we get that patient in, we just start by identifying the, the individual contributing factors and start weeding those factors down. So I would start by looking for classic signs of biomechanic wear and tear, and we would intervene with treatment for that. So let me, let me give you an example here, Niren. Somebody comes in, you're starting to see non-periodontally caused recession of the gums, a lot of root exposure, abfraction, at the roots of the teeth, but no real history for periodontal disease. You're seeing a lot of enamel crazing, maybe some wear facet. You know, a lot of times our, our only path to help these people is to do gum line fillings. You know, we put composites in up there and try to resurface and shield the roots from exposure. And I think that's a good treatment, but we haven't really stopped the cause of it. And then what happens is, the same biomechanical forces that damage the roots in the first place are the same biomechanical forces that are going to pop your fillings off and damage your fillings. And, and uh, so biomechanic force alone, if we just get in there and we analyze it, and so there's some really great technology out there today. You know, there's something out there called a, a T-scan where we can do digitally analyze somebody's bite and we can see where the interferences are. We can see if the forces are being distributed evenly. Uh, we can find those pinpoint areas that we, can, that we can get in and we can take the energy on that tooth and redistribute it to other teeth. So simply put, Naren, your jaws contract with up to about 200 square foot pounds of force. Wow. Every time your muscles contract, that energy's got to go somewhere. And if it, doesn't, if it doesn't go into food, the food bolus or whatever you're chewing on, it's going to go into the joint, and the rest of it's got to go into the teeth. And so teeth are set up to distribute that energy, but not, any, not every environment does that very well. And so when... When you have an environment where only a few teeth, maybe some teeth are doing more than their workload, 
You know, if you had a perfect environment, each tooth would take of that 200 square foot pounds and it would distribute about seven and one eight square foot pounds of force. Sometimes you get like premature contacts where those teeth are taking like 30, 40% of the weight all by themselves. That's gonna cause flexure, abfraction, fracture. You know, the other thing that happens is you know, when you have interferences in, in your bite like that, all of the sensory input that goes to your brain from your jaws, you know, it, it all comes back to create a pattern of movement. And so if you have interferences in your bite, that communication from your teeth to your brain and from your brain to your muscles, it changes the pattern so that you don't just beat your teeth up and then people end up with what's called a, a compensated envelope of function where now the, the patterns that your jaw would go through in movement, they're no longer the natural patterns, they're compensated uh, patterns, which makes the muscles have to work in ways that they weren't designed to work. And then that increases muscular inflammation. It keeps the jaw joints out of place so they get premature wear or damage to the cartilage at the head of the jaw. It puts teeth in alignment positions where forces aren't distributed very easily. And so as you get inflammation in muscles, inefficient muscle patterns, damage to teeth, damage to jaw joints, it becomes a really complex environment for patients on the other side, which over the course of a lifetime results in premature uh, loss of teeth or damage to teeth that if it was caught earlier on and intervened on, you could have stopped all that from happening in a preventive way by simply getting in and balancing out those bite forces, right? It's a principle that we call equilibration, and sometimes correcting that is subtractive dentistry, meaning we just go in and we make adjustments to the bite until alignment is correct and jaw muscles become happy. Well, that can become a very huge part of your practice simply by applying that one principle of saying, you know what, from this day forward, I'm not just going to look for tooth decay and gum disease, but I'm also going to intervene on patients when I see biomechanical damage. I'm going to correct that for my patients just like I would treat tooth decay or gum disease. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a very, very powerful preventive program that nobody else in your area is doing. In fact, people will come into my practice. I have patients that come in and say, you know what? You're the first person that's ever given me an explanation why I'm getting that. I've, I've talked to all of my dentists, and they all just tell me not to worry about it. They just want to put fillings up there along my gum line. But you're the only person that's related it back to this biomechanic problem and the fact that it could be fixed and stopped. And so they become really compliant when you make recommendations for care. So that would be an example of like a biomechanic patient. But Naren, if you then couple acid on top of that, you introduce a higher amount of acidity, a higher amount of inflammation, which increases pain. You know, and, and that combination of acid, force distribution, biomechanics, and inflammation really just creates a lot of problems for people. So as a patient sitting next to me on an airplane, I guess my answer to you would be, let's take a look at the way your teeth, your jaws, and your muscles are working together. 
Do you have any history for indigestion, acid reflux? Do you have any food allergies, food intolerance that are increasing acidity? Do you have a gallbladder problem? I just am looking for causes for oral acidity that's coming from a systemic issue. So let's take, for example, you know, Naren, when, when we start to break this down, say you wanted to do more implants in your practice. Or maybe you like surgery and you wanted to do more connective tissue grafting. Or you wanted to do more crown and bridge or full mouth rehabilitation type crown and bridge. Or you wanted to do more cosmetic dentistry. Let, let's say you're a doctor now asking me these questions and, and you're not a patient, okay? Right. All right. The question is, is how do, you, how do you attract those patients in order to build your practice that way? You can do it one patient at a time. To be, you know, you, you, you treat those cases and you do something great for somebody, then they go tell a friend. And you can do what's called reputation building, but it takes a long time, years in one area, to, to really build your reputation if that's all you're doing is reputation marketing. Okay? But what if you're a doctor and you wanted to add these kind of services to your practice and you wanted to speed that process up? The question is, how could you do that? Yes. You know, if you think about traditional marketing practices, you know, you're going to use print media, maybe radio, maybe TV advertising. You know, you're going to send out flyers to try to attract these patients. Maybe you do a couple radio programs, your social media. The problem is, is you're kind of fighting for the same category of patient as every other general dentist when you're in those realms. But if you start to look for a, a specific patient type, let's say we know that patients with high acid problems have a lot of tooth issues. Usually they have TMJ and they have headaches. A lot of times they have sleep apnea. What if you took a marketing approach where you were just going to identify and look for these patients with these systemic high acid problems? Where would you find them? How could you market to them? Well, in my mind, the way I was thinking, it's like, all right, well, they're in chiropractor's offices. They're seeing massage therapists. They are seeing ear, nose, and throat specialists. They're seeing gastroenterologists. They're seeing neurologists. They're seeing pain management doctors. You see where I'm going with this? Absolutely. A referral source that if you could just set your identity and your philosophy, that now you have a referral source from the medical community to drive those patients to your practice to be able to implement those treatments that you're interested in. And the bottom line is, is here's all you got to be ready to do. You got to be ready to help them with their biomechanical issues. You got to be ready to help them with their acid issues. And you got to be ready to help them with their inflammation issues. And that's what we teach our doctors to do out of the Advanced Prosthetics Institute is we've already developed those systems. We've already developed those protocols clinically. But on top of that, you know, the doctors that work with us, we've also developed the marketing, PowerPoint presentations you can go out into your, communicate, into your community and educate with. 
the articles that you might write in the newspaper to capture this particular clientele, the protocol to set up a marketing campaign to reach out to the medical community and let them know who you are and what you're doing. And you just have to be willing to let these people into your practice that have jaw pain, headaches, chronic facial pain, because they're the ones with the acid problems that are ending up with the dental issues that will grow your practice overnight. So I'll give you an example. When we, when we first started down this road, and, and just to clarify for people, we use what's called a biofunctional philosophy. Biology and mechanics, uh, patients suffering with those disorders, right? So we developed our strategy to, to attract more of those patients because it's the work that I was interested in. By the time we built our program, we had implemented about 30% of what our marketing program was capable of. And in the first six months, I increased the profitability of my practice by $600,000. That's how effective it was. That's how many people were out there needing that kind of care. At that moment in time, I was, I was also developing uh, the Prosthetics Institute, our, our educational center, and I really had just run out of time. I was working through lunch, I was working in the evenings, and I knew that that was not the kind of way I wanted to live my life. I had other interests. So I was forced at that point to kind of reevaluate what I was doing. I brought on an associate. I began educating my associate in the same practice philosophies, and within 12 months, we had doubled the production of my practice uh, in, in just 12 months, and I had a successful practice before I brought any of this on board and, and really marketed this philosophy that I've had for years because of my own personal problems. What are, what are your thoughts on that, Naren? You know, I work with a lot of successful doctors, and I, I find most successful doctors um, they don't try to, to be everything to everybody. And the problem with general dentistry, what some people call tooth mechanic is customers don't appreciate it. You know, uh, right. it's like buying groceries at the cheapest, um, you know, store locally. And they're yeah. gonna look at, oh, are you open till 10 p.m. at night? And are you the cheapest and this and that. But I yeah. think once you start, Picking a position in the marketplace, once you start adopting a philosophy and once you start making that commitment that you want to be a hero to a certain group of people, then they tend to appreciate it. If you think about, you know, branding and the most successful brand, they don't try to be for everybody. They try to pick a side. Apple, you know, they have a certain philosophy, you know. Um, yeah. I'm sure you saw that ad Think Different, right? And they show people like Einstein and, you know, and they kind of, imply that if Einstein ever wanted a computer, he would have bought an Apple. Right. Um, so if you had somebody who likes to think differently, you would be attracted to Apple. And they attracted that group of people and, you know, it spread from there. And, um, and that might be why, like, people, entrepreneurs talk about Steve Jobs because I think they identified with that, you know, think different, you know, way of thinking and life. And, of course, right. because they identified with it, they identified with Apple. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've found interesting, you know, I have the opportunity to, to lecture and, and I talk to a lot of different dentists and 
you know, one of the things I like to do at the beginning of my seminars is just get a survey. Um, you know, there, there's a, di a distinct difference between the type of dentistry we all, the type of business of dentistry we all wanted to do before we started in practice and the type of business entity that we have after we actually get into our practice. And I find whenever I lecture to dental students, there's always a huge amount of the dental students that want to be solo practitioners in a private fee-for-service practice. It's like this gold standard that seems to exist out there, but it's also a pink unicorn in our day. I mean, you know, my, my question that I always ask, Dennis, is, is how, many, how many of you out there are either solo practitioners or even a group practitioners in a fee-for-service practice? And in a group of three, 400 dentists, maybe one or two, maybe I think the most I've ever had is four to five will raise their hand that there's still a fee-for-service practice. And so it's becoming, it's becoming a dying entity, really. I mean, it's, it's just something that's kind of fading off into the past. And the thing that we're faced with now, you know, a lot of the, the big push now is multiple practice ownership. You know, we're looking at corporate-type dentistry. And so I think the thing that's on the chopping block now is even just, you know, the survival of the solo practitioner is really coming to the wayside. And, and so I have always been a strong proponent that the best scenario for patients is a doctor who is tied to the clinical, the business and clinical success of the practice. There's never going to be a better patient advocate than the owner doctor whose reputation is on the line every day. And you're solely responsible for bringing your patients in, keeping them, and helping them be successful. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. Okay. Well, the models that are being generated and kind of out of necessity are really taking us away from that. They're, they're pushing us more towards, you know, it's getting so hard. I mean, it's, it's very expensive to run a practice like mine. The overhead is, is a challenge, although here's, here's a cool point. Now, and I, I work with a group, the Dental Success Institute, and I work in a mastermind group. And each month we check the, value, the health of our practices. And, I've got a fee-for-service practice in a small town, yet the overhead of my practice is 48% annually. That's what it was last year. So that's not a very easy feat to accomplish, and it's not bragging, and I'm really not trying to say that I've done anything fancy, but I will say with the right philosophy, with the right way of attracting patients and getting referral sources for, for patients in a general dental setting, can really, really change the impact of what you're doing. Man, can you imagine if you got to keep 52% 50, of everything that you made simply because what you're doing is increasing the value of chair time, it's increasing the value of your service, it's increasing the value of what you're doing in your patients' minds, it's increasing the value of what you're doing in your community, in your medical community. It really just has the way of, of changing the way you practice entirely just by having the right philosophy and targeting this, this particular category of, of individuals suffering with some problems. It's, it's kind of crazy, and it just has worked really well. But I think, that, I, think I got off track there a little bit, Naren. What were we talking about? No, um, 
I would love to continue talking to you, doctor, but the only thing is I do have a hard stop uh, in a few minutes. Um, no problem. Perhaps for anybody who's interested in uh, learning more, is there a website they can go to? Or how can they get a hold of you? Absolutely. I'm always happy to give any of our information, you know, so I guess in summary, what we do, it increases what we're doing preventively. It helps us to understand complex care so the work we're doing lasts longer. It has the ability to bring bigger cases, increase chair time value, create a business model that actually works and becomes satisfying. It has the ability to grow a surgical or implant or even a reconstructive practice, and it's all based on biofunction. So if people want to learn more about what we're doing, actually for your listeners, uh, Naren, if they go to our website at Advanced Prosthetics Institute, that's advancedprostheticsinstitute.com, uh, we have something there. It's a free download called the uh, Blueprint of the Dental Black Belt. And I'd like to offer that to all of your all of your listeners that they can go on there and they can get a copy of that. The second thing is, is we, we do offer clinical courses. We have a two-day course based in biofunctional disorders. We also have a surgical course to help doctors who want to take their biofunctional philosophy and expand it into surgery like implants, grafting, that kind of thing. We also have a course for them. We have a biofunctional course that's coming up here in September, the 15th and 16th of September. We have a few seats left and available, but what we're going to do is we're going to offer a discount uh, to, to any of your listeners just because they're your listeners. Uh, the code that they can use um, to register is Growing Dentist 2017. They're welcome to take advantage of that if they want to come out and learn more. My uh, email, I'm happy to give that out to any of your listeners, is jcampbellDDS at yahoo.com and they can contact me at the Advanced Prosthetics Institute at 928-776-0239. We're always happy to field questions. Now, I have a gal that works with me that, that fields a lot of, you know, just questions about the course or what we are, what we do. Her name is Lori. They're welcome to ask for her. If they need to speak to me personally, I'm, I'm happy to do that as well. Thank you, Doctor. And uh, we will include all of this information in the show notes so people can easily grab them. And I do appreciate uh, the offers that you have given the listeners. I think that's uh, very thoughtful of you. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. And um, so you, you don't mind if people call you and want to talk to you, right? So they can reach out to you, no problem? No, I'm happy to do that. I know, you know, a lot of the principles, you know, I try to break them down into simple principles but they kind of interrelate and sometimes that gets a little confusing. And I guess what I want people to know is the actual treatment is not confusing when you really understand how to offer the care to people and you have the systems and tools to do it. A lot of people think that, you know, you have to be into really complex care for this to be of value. It's not. 90% of what we do is preventive and it just really adds to the preventive side of a general dental practice. So, Yes, I'm happy to field any questions. If people want to speak to me personally, I'm happy to take those calls. You know, obviously, I have to do them after hours. I've got to keep my hands in people's faces occasionally in order to keep the, the place open and running. But uh, 
if they don't mind a return call after hours I'm, or even email communications, uh, texting communications. We do have a forum at our website that people are welcome. They can uh, register for the site. It's no charge, but they can then access the forum as well and ask their questions there. Perfect. Thank you, Doctor, and thank you for taking the time. And thank you, everyone, for listening to an episode of the Growing Dentist podcast show with Dr. Jason Campbell.